So before we start, I got all my information from a few websites, like Morbidology, the National Registry of Exonerations, and Wikipedia. I hope you enjoy. This episode is about the wrongfully convicted. Now, what does it even mean to be wrongfully convicted? Well, it means people who are in fact innocent, but who have been wrongfully convicted by a jury or other court of law. In other words, they got put in jail for something they didn't do. Have you ever wondered how many people have been wrongfully convicted? Well, I did some research so you didn't have to. And I found that it has been estimated that in between 2 and 5% of all U.S. prisoners are innocent. Now, that doesn't seem like that much. But when you say, with the number of incarcerated Americans being approximately 2.4 million, by that estimate, as many as 120,000 people may be incarcerated as a result of wrongful conviction. Then that really does sound like a lot of people. It's honestly sad thinking about it. Those people had a life, and it was taken away from them because of a mistake someone else made. Now that I gave you a brief understanding of what it means to be wrongfully convicted, we're going to look at a case from back in the late 1960s. This case is one of the most talked about in its time, and it's definitely one of the saddest. So, trust me when I say you might get mad, because... It's a pretty emotional case. Like, I don't know how these people did it. So, without further ado, the James Joseph Richardson case. So, James Richardson was born on December 26th of 1935. He lived a pretty normal life for the most part. And he just seemed like an average guy. So, James met his wife, Annie Mae, in the 1950s. And as James said, I felt weak. I fell in love with her. So, the couple moved to Arcadia, Florida in 1966 to better their conditions. That's where they both got jobs at at an orange grove and worked long hours to provide for their family. The Richardsons had seven children. That's a lot of kids. Like, holy cow. So, Betty was eight, Alice was seven, Susie six, Doreen five, Vanessa four, Diane three, and James two. The oldest two were Annie Mays from a previous marriage, but the youngest five were theirs. Okay, so now that you have a brief layout of James's life, here's the twister. All seven of the Richardson kids were dead over a period of 24 hours due to poisoning. And James was the one that was found guilty. So I looked at a lot of websites and articles and listened to a few podcasts about this case. So there were a few parts that were a little sketchy or not matching other parts from different articles. 
So please bear with me. I'm going to try my best to explain what happened with as little false information as possible. Okay, so on October 24th of 1967, Annie Mae Richardson, that's James's wife, had prepared a lunch of grits, beans, and rice for their kids. She placed the meal in a locked refrigerator overnight, which I thought was a little weird. Like, why a locked fridge? Like, my parents never locked food away. Is that normal? I don't really know. But anyway, in the morning, the Richardsons left for work to go to the Orange Grove that is 16 miles away from their home. So they hired the neighbor, Bessie Reese, to babysit the kids. Now, this is where everything gets a little bit messed up, like confusing, you know. So the oldest four kids go to school, and for some reason, they come back home and eat lunch and then go back to school. So, like, keep this in mind. These kids are, like, young. Like, the oldest is eight. So, they must have not lived that far from school, I'm assuming. But when they got back to school, the four kids started getting, like, super sick, you know, pale face, whatever. So, the principals rushed them to the hospital and called the parents to let them know what was going on. Okay, so the four oldest are in school, right? So the three younger ones aren't. So that means they're at home with Bessie, who just fed them lunch, okay? So a teacher who's, like, really concerned because they know that the Richardsons have all these kids go to the house to check on these three kids, and the three kids were sick, like, just like the other four. So the parents are, like, trying to get to the hospital. They don't know what's going on. They get to the hospital, and six of their kids are already dead. And the only one left was Diane, who was three. Like, it was really weird that all of their kids got super sick and most of them were dead. And it's it's weird that it happened fast. So, like, you would immediately think poison, right? Right. So... The police went to the house that day and started looking around to see if they could find anything. And they couldn't find anything inside or outside. But what's weird is what they found the fifth time they searched the property, okay? They found pesticides in the shed. I mean, you wouldn't think that much of it, right? Like, you know, it's a shed. Who knew? Okay, anyway. But the thing is, there was four searches of the property, and they never found it. Okay? Then, the next time that they searched the place, it showed up. Like, whoa, what the heck? So, I don't know if the police were just really bad at their job, or what if the pesticides were planted? So, on the 26th, the seventh child, Diane, would sadly pass. So now that all seven children have passed away, a witness came forward saying that James wanted to know information about the policies on his children's life insurance. I mean, it's not really a big deal, but it was two days before this all happened. So it's kind of sus, right? But 
Imagine going to the funeral of all your children and having everyone believe that you killed all of them. That would be, like, horrible. I couldn't... Ugh. Awful. Okay, back to the story. So, apparently, the local sheriff was trying to make a name for himself at this time. So, two days later, he arrested James for the murder of all seven of his children. But based on what? So, pretty much, he got arrested because they were lower income and they were black. So, I didn't mention black before because I just wanted to see what was going to happen. But anyway, that's pretty much what I'm guessing this case is about. Which is sad. Okay, so... The sheriff said that he believed that the reason that James killed his kids was because there was a total of 14000 in life assurance policies, which at the time was about $111,000. So yeah, that would be a lor- worth a lot today. So you could agree with the sheriff saying that it could be a reason why James killed all of his kids. I mean, he did ask about the policy two days before. But that's not really solid evidence, is it? But that's what they went off of. But the thing is, the police chief in the area didn't believe James was guilty. He said that there wasn't enough evidence. But the sheriff just ran with it. And unfortunately for James, three prisoners came forward saying that James admitted to the murders. James had asked to move his trial to another county because, like, Everybody knew him there, and he just didn't want that drama going on. But they told him no. So every single time he was trying to get something out of this and trying to get a fair trial, he kind of got screwed over. So yeah. So now the trial began on Monday morning, May 27th of 1968. And of course, like a bunch of witnesses ask ask questions, you know. Okay. But then they bring in the babysitter that earlier said she had no idea what happened and she wasn't involved. And like she painted James out to be like a monster looking for money. Okay. But then when the defense came up, she was like, oh, no, they were just a they were a great family, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so she's, like, so wishy-washy. Like, she can't make up her mind. Whatever. So, the thing is, it all goes back to what Bessie fed them for lunch because the parents weren't home. Well, the funny thing is that she says that she wasn't inside the location. And she, like, had, had taken the smaller kids to her location. So it's really confusing about, like, where she says she was and, like, she never entered the apartment. So if the kids were, like, inside the apartment when the teacher walked in, like, how did the three smaller kids get fed? And, like, like, if she wasn't in the apartment, then what happened? Like, I don't understand. I don't even know anymore. So, like, where did they eat? What did they eat? How did they get back into their place? 
These are all questions that the police should try to figure out, but they didn't look into it because they didn't really care because they're like they've already figured out who done it. And like I don't know. It was so messed up. Okay. Now the jury returned and considered the evidence and half hour later on May 31st of 1968 with the verdict of death with premeditation at the hands of James and the party is unknown. So they're saying that there could have been somebody else involved as well, but they don't know. The only thing they're going on is because James asked about the insurance two days before. There's, like, no other evidence that he was involved in any of what happened to the kids. Okay, so the jurors recommended the death penalty for James. So James was sentenced to die by the court and was on death row for, like, nearly five years now. But luckily... He was saved by the U.S. Supreme Court when they ruled in 1972 that the death penalty in the U.S. at the time was unconstitutional. So, his sentence was commuted to life in prison and he would be eligible for parole in 1993. Okay, so let's think back about all of this for a hot second. So, the kids were killed by poison, right? Well, let's think back. Annie Mae was the one who cooked the food, right? Maybe she put the pesticides in the food when she was making it. So, you would definitely think that she could be a suspect, right? Right. So, Annie Mae is a possibility. But, what about the babysitter, Bessie? She was acting sus at the trials and saying one thing and then saying the opposite the next, right? Okay, so let's look at Bessie. She was an older gal, and, like, I couldn't find her age at the time of the murders, but she just seemed like a typical babysitter, you know, like the ones that you see in the movies. Well, it turns out that Bessie wasn't a normal babysitter. Okay, this is the big twister part right here, okay? So, Bessie was on parole at the time of these murders because she had murdered her second husband with, hold on, poison, okay? And then she was suspected of killing her first husband with poison as well. Let me repeat that. With poison. The same poison that the kids were killed with. Coincidence? I think not. So, we literally have somebody here who has poisoned people. I mean, how did they not go to her? She was there. She, like, fed the kids. She has a history of poisoning people. But no, it's gotta be the dad. Okay, so what I don't get is that the prosecution kept this from the jury. They wanted to make sure that no one knew about Bessie because... Then they would have come back with, like, a non-guilty verdict or a hung jury. Okay, so that is all said and done. But in 1988, Bessie was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and started confessing to all these murders. 
Like, she confessed over a hundred times to, like, a hundred different people. Okay, yeah. We have a confession. But, like, how trustworthy is that because of Bessie's mental health? Bessie, sadly, did pass away from it in 1992. Okay. So, James is still in jail at this point. So, remember... All those people that kept coming forward saying that James, like, confessed to the murders inside. Well, the last one on his deathbed admitted that he he lied. He did it to get, like, time off or something like that. So, there are still so many holes. If you read through, like, this and... The accounts are a little bit different, so I didn't want to put things that couldn't be, like, 100% verifi- ver- verified, but there's, like, the sheriff wanted a bigger name. There was talk of the jury and, like, all, like, tampering with all that. Um, but on October 25th of 1989... A new investigation was opened after two decades, and James was finally set free. His lawyer filed the lawsuit against uh, DeSoto County for his wrongful prosecution and settled for $150,000 on August 25th of 2008. After his legal claims had been rejected based on the prosecution, saying that he should have been immune and James filed a claim under Florida's wrongful conviction compensation law, which provided a compensation for wrongful imprisonment of 50000 a year. It's, it's sad because he never saw any of that money. I mean, honestly, what state could afford to pay that? But sadly, James has just, like, suffered without that money. So, one thing that was interesting was that James had a major surgery, like, heart surgery, while he was in prison. But there were, like, so many complications because of the fact that they didn't really have the money to support something that big. So, he suffered his, like, entire life after that with multiple heart problems, health issues, and recently, within the last, like, 10 years, he had one major heart attack, but he recovered. Okay, so his wife did stay with him the entire time through, like, all of this, because, like, she didn't, she knew that he wasn't guilty. But, of course, like, after he was set free, they didn't really connect anymore. And they did end up getting a divorce. I mean, after 20 years, yeah, someone would definitely change. James did, however, get social security because he had been in prison for so long. And he ended up meeting another great woman. And they got married and they're both retired now, just living their life in Florida. So, they never prosecuted the person who actually did it, which was the babysitter. Because, like, by the time they actually looked into her, 
she had Alzheimer's and like there was n nothing that they really could do. I mean, are you really going to put a like lock up a lady, like an old lady who is sick? And I mean, she would have been in prison for only a year before she died. So it was kind of pointless. So in the end, it was just sad that 21 years of someone's life was taken away because of a wrongful conviction. There were more like loose ends that I did research that maybe there was another person who helped murder the children. There was talk about it was just a case about race where James was black and the sheriff was white and the sheriff just wanted to be the good guy putting the bad guy behind bars. So this was a crazy case to research and honestly, it was just sad. So I hope that you enjoy this podcast about wrongful convictions. See you next time. I'm Toby Harden.